0: wanted to be part of this new big rail network you had to buy Edmondson's system so that was a pretty good day for Thomas Edmondson.
1: Join us for another episode of 100 Years 100 Objects stories from Lancaster City Museums. I'm Millie Wellborn a museum assistant for Lancaster City Museums. In this series we're looking at 100 objects from Lancaster, Morecambe and the surrounding area to celebrate a century of our museums and to find out more about the past and how we relate to it now. Today's object is a small machine invented by a local man that changed the world of railways. Today's object is Thomas Edmondson's railway ticket printing machine. When talking about a machine, you might imagine something very large, but this one is about 77cm wide at the base, 62cm high and 30cm deep. It consists of an oblong dark metal frame with several bracing bars running across it for strength. Attached to the frame are numerous shafts, ratchets and a number of cogs at the top. A long handle sticks out to one side. This is Thomas Edmondson's railway ticket machine. With it is a smaller piece made from two blocks of wood set within a wooden frame which is about 15 centimetres high. This is a stamp for the tickets. This small machine revolutionised the way that railway tickets were issued and was so successful that it continued to be used for nearly 150 years. We spoke to Rachel Bowers, Museum Manager at Lancaster City Museum, to find out more about the man behind the machine. We started off in the galleries of Lancaster City Museum to see the object as our visitors see it today.
0: It's maybe a difficult object for me to describe, but we're here in the Lancaster City Museum in our local history gallery, and we're looking at something that is made of metal and wood. It's got three large wheels on it that turn, and it's got a wooden section with two columns and a space where you can pop your ticket in to have it dated. And so the object that we're looking at is Thomas Edmondson's automated ticket stamping machine. So, yeah, we've got here a device that really changed the world. It's an automated machine that printed and date stamped tickets. And that might not sound like an amazing thing, but when its inventor started working for the railway company, he had to handwrite every ticket and each ticket had to be cut out by hand. And less scrupulous ticket masters than him could sell a person a ticket and then pocket the money. There was no way of necessarily reconciling what had been sold. So, who was the man behind the idea? The inventor is a man called Thomas Edmondson, and he was born in Lancaster in June 1792 in a house that was on the corner of Moor Lane and Stonewell. Unfortunately, the house that he grew up in is no longer there but there is a stone plaque on the later 1880s building. We know that he was from a Quaker religious background, his parents were called John and Jane and the Society of Friends baptism record gives his father John's employment as a trunk maker but we know that he later works as a draper and a grocer. He's from a fairly big family He's one of nine children, though one of his sisters dies as an infant and two brothers sadly die in their teens. And the young Thomas is apprenticed to a local cabinet maker. And then he goes to work for Robert Gillow. So quite a famous name now in Lancaster's history and in furniture making history. Having completed his apprenticeship, he is a journeyman. So this means that he's not yet at master craftsman level. And he decides to move to Carlisle sometime around 1830 and he sets up his own furniture making business there with two friends. But furniture making apparently, or maybe the business side of it, who knows, is not his forte and the company goes bankrupt and Thomas Edmondson is personally in a lot of debt at this point. So he needs to find himself a job Fortunately, the Newcastle and Carlisle Railway opens in July 1836. So, aged 44, Thomas Edmondson applies for a job at Milton Station, which is
1: 10 miles east of
0: Carlisle in Cumbria.
1: How did Edmondson go from working a low level job at a regional railway station to inventing something that would change the face of rail travel across the country? It's here when he's working as the station
0: master that he becomes aware of all these problems around handwritten tickets. So he starts experimenting with solutions to this problem. First he tries handwritten tickets prepared in advance and then validated by dating and so that speeds things up a little bit but they're still getting big queues at the stations. So that's when he starts experimenting with an automated ticket stamping machine. You can see some of his own woodwork in the object that we've got displayed. Those old skills come back to him and he manages to get somebody local who's a metal worker to fabricate the parts that he can't do himself. And he proudly shows it off to his employers and tries to persuade them that they should adopt it across the whole Newcastle and Carlisle railway network and he fails <laughs> they're like that's well, very nice that you're doing this here in Milton but we, we can't really see the, the value of it he organizes a bit of a publicity campaign including what he calls an exhibition day in summer 1838 so he invites people from other companies to come and watch this new piece of technology And one of the people that hears about it is Captain J.M. Laws, and he's the general superintendent of the newly formed Manchester and Leeds Railway, which hasn't even opened yet. And he's so impressed with what he sees that he offers him a job as chief booking clerk for their railway. So he takes up this new role in May 1839 on double his previous salary. And he's given a free hand so that he can install his system on the whole of Manchester and Leeds Railway. And at this point, the other companies start to show an interest. In summer 1841, Edmondson resigns from his job and sets up his own ticket printing company based in Manchester. Birmingham Gloucester Railway are thought to have been the first ones to place an order But by the end of August 1841, 15 other companies have placed orders, including one overseas. He charges for the cost of the railway tickets supplied. He charges a royalty of £1 for every two miles of line open to passengers. And he also negotiates a free first-class rail pass for himself, so he can go anywhere that these rail networks are using his system. The railway network didn't operate as a a whole thing, it was separate little local companies, and sometimes they joined up and sometimes they didn't, but they were beginning to think about working together in more organised ways. They organized something called the Railway Clearing House in 1842, primarily to manage payments where people or goods were travelling across different railway companies. The Railway Clearing House championed Edmondson's system as being a condition of membership. So if you wanted to be part of this new big rail network, you had to buy Edmondson's system. So that was a pretty good day for Thomas Edmondson.
1: So with his invention now being used across the country, did Thomas become a rich man? He certainly became wealthy enough to repay his creditors in Carlisle. And as you
0: can imagine, that company very quickly became very busy. So rapid expansion and his brother Joseph gave up teaching to come and work for him. And his son John left school so that they could join the business. But the March 1851 census suggests that the family are lodgers rather than homeowners, which is quite surprising. The census was in March of 1851. He died in June 1851. But you can see from his will that he's got an awful lot of assets and it's you know several pages long detailing who gets what best furniture for his wife, Rachel. She gets £1,000 at his death. He's able to leave an annuity to his son, John. There's some very specific clauses about how if John has married, according to the Quaker tradition, he can get some of the items of furniture that Rachel would have had. So he does seem to have been quite comfortable by this point in his life. And the company continues successfully. So his brother, Joseph, takes over for 12 months. And then when his son, John, reaches the age of 21, he takes over then. And it keeps on going up until 1960, so it is a well-established company with several offices as well. They had offices in London and in Dublin, and they had manufacturing works in Dublin as well as in Manchester. He kept on improving his ticketing system so he has several different patents for different versions and then they also manufactured things relating to printing so that supported the industry that they already had. So they developed issuing and stock cases for the tickets, they developed dating presses they had ticket counting and shredding machines. They had those little nippers or clickers so that you could invalidate the tickets with lots of different shapes. And of course, they also sold ticket printing machines so that other railway companies could make their own tickets.
1: We asked Rachel to put all this in context by telling us a little bit about railways in the local area and further afield during Edmundson's lifetime. Obviously, a time of
0: massive change, and when Thomas Edmondson leaves Lancaster, they don't have a railway station. There is no railway network locally. Lancaster's first railway station opened in 1840. It's not the one that we use today. The building is now used by Royal Lancaster Infirmary. So that station closed in 1849 when it was superseded by Lancaster Castle Station, which we now just call Lancaster Station. In Morecambe, it was slightly later, so a railway station opened on Northumberland Street in 1848 and that was rebuilt in the 1870s. But then it closed in 1907 when the new Morecambe Promenade station was opened. And that's the location of the current platform venue, so there's a lot of chopping and changing in Morecambe. And ironically, The present Morecambe Railway Station was built on the site of the original Northumberland Street Station. He is growing up against this massive period of early developments in rail. The first public railway was the Stockton and Darlington Railway, which opened in 1825. That used both horse-powered and steam-powered trains. People are probably quite familiar with Stevenson's Rocket Locomotive which was first tested in 1829, and the Liverpool and Manchester Railway opened in 1830. So that's the first public railway
1: to be solely steam-powered. So there's loads going on. To finish our journey today, Rachel explained to us the reach and the impact of Thomas's invention and how people all over the world may still remember those little cardboard tickets.
0: A skilled operator of his system could print 200 tickets a minute and they didn't have to cut each ticket by hand. So as we've already heard, loads of companies across the UK quickly seized on this opportunity. But they weren't the only ones. In Europe, it was adopted in Austria, Belgium, the Netherlands, Czechoslovakia, France, Germany. In Norway it was used until the late 1990s so it was really a well accepted and established system on the continent and, but it spread to the rest of the world as well so Argentina, South Korea and Australia use that system and in Taiwan and Japan they do still use the Edmondson ticket format today on some lines although they are computer printed. Here in Britain it was used in British rail networks up until 1988 was when they first switched off the Edmondson printing press, but they only ceased using the tickets around about 1990. So for something that was invented in the late 1830s, it had a pretty good lifespan. The way that we use tickets nowadays, whether we're going to concerts, uh, museums, whether we're travelling by train or flying on a plane, It's all been revolutionised by Thomas Edmondson. Nowadays, you are likely to see Edmondson tickets on use on heritage railways, heritage tramways, so you might still get that familiar little bit of
1: stiff paper in your hand. Thank you so much for hopping on board this episode of 100 Years 100 Objects. We hope you will catch some of our other episodes, where we will be talking about everything from newspapers to Neolithic jewellery.